Hi, welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first episode, welcome. If you are a part of the community here, welcome back. I am so excited to be back, y'all. I know that it's been a while. The last episode I released was during the summer, and now it's October. So I do apologize. Life did not go as planned. Graduate school has literally taken over my life. But nonetheless, I am here pushing through. So with that being said, let me jump right into telling you about today's episode. I had the privilege of chatting with Camille a former single mom who is now married. She has five children and just has went through so much. And I really think that anyone will be able to take something from this episode. Camille has went through teenage pregnancy, mending a broken relationship with her mom, divorce between her parents, dealing with an abusive relationship, transitioning to marriage, just so many things that she has had to go through. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. All right, without further ado, let's get right into it. Hi, Camille. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on today. Can you take a moment to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show today. Uh, My name is Camille Joy, and I am a mommy of five boys. I am a wife. I am um, an executive chef by uh, career, and I'm the host of the Moments of Joy podcast. So we became friends there. Yes, (laughs) which I love. (laughs) So if you guys are not listening to Camille's podcast, definitely go check it out. It's called Moments of Joy, wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) So Camille, today I wanted to talk to you about the transition from being a single mom to a married mom. How old were you when you had your youngest kid? Oh my gosh, my youngest? Yes. Now, um, I was not your youngest. I'm sorry. How old were you when you had your oldest kid? My oldest, I was 16 years old. So I got pregnant when I was 15. Yep. And then the next one was 18, 19 and 21. Yes. So by 21, I had four boys. (laughs) Wow. Wait, say the ages for me again. Um, so the ages right now are 17, 15, 14 and 12. Okay, and you said you were 15 when you had your first kid. Yeah, I was pregnant with him at 15, so I had him at 16. Wow, okay, oh my gosh. So Mm -hmm. then, where, I'm sorry, I don't want (laughs) to, like, dig too deep, but I'm like, do they all have, like, the same father? uh -uh, Nope, so my first one, uh, 15 years old, I got with um, a gangster in high school, so I was... (laughs) Okay. <laughs> he was a blood, and I thought I was hood at the moment when I wasn't. I was living in an, an, a different area with two parents, but I was trying to be something that I wasn't. <laughs> You're <laughs> trying to find yourself. Yes. 
So 15 years old, I got pregnant by um by him and I had him at 16 and he went to jail and then it was me and my parents with him. So with the baby, raising the baby. Um, when I became a senior in high school, I then began to feel myself again and I started to date this older man. Now this man, later on, I found out he was 25 years older than me. Coming in, I after started, he was like 10 years older maybe, if that, because he dressed so young. He drove a red Range Rover and, and was, you know, whining and dining me. And I had a gold ring on every finger and Jordans and I was driving his car to school. So I thought I was grown, but he's way too old to be messing with me. I was way too old to be messing with him, but I got into a relationship with him and then had more children, 18 years old, 19 years old, and then 21. I stayed in that relationship for five years. Wow, because he was sort of providing you with this type of lifestyle as a kid, and you thought, like, this is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find out how old he was until I had my first child, and it said 42, and here I am, 18 years old, looking like crazy, because that he's like the age of my mother. Oh, my gosh. hmm so, I guess... You know, looking back on your life as a young woman, um, do you feel like you were trying to fill some sort of void? Um, Where did, I don't know, these like sort of relationships stem from? You know, because I think from time to time we have to um, take a moment to go back and look at our lives and evaluate where we come from and what Mm -hmm. sort of caused us to make these decisions. And so I'm interested Mm -hmm. to know you know, the gangster, you said you felt like you were hood, you know? And so, I don't know, what even made you feel like you were hood and you weren't? Mm -hmm. I think that um, environment plays a big role in it because although I lived in a house, we lived uh, about two blocks away from the projects. So I went to school with all the kids from the projects. So those were my friends. You know, so Mm -hmm. although they could hang out and they could hang out because their moms were hanging out and their moms were young and their moms, some of them were on drugs, you know, they weren't home anyway. So I was the only friend that couldn't have restrictions. So I began to be rebellious against my parents' rules. And then moving forward, after I had my first son, I, I began to try to, you know, get my life together a little bit. But then when I met this man, I believe that I fell into um, that relationship with him because I already had a void from, although my dad was in home, he was removed emotionally. So there was no um, affirmation from the male. I kind of had still that void of, of needing my dad. As crazy as that sounds, you know, although he was there, he wasn't No, there. no, no. I've heard that quite a few times, you know, because people always think, you know, because the dad is not in the house that, you know, that's the only thing that affects women or young women that are growing up. And it's not, like you said, your dad was actually in the home, mm-hmm. but because he was not emotionally vested into the relationship and into his family, then it affected you in that way. Mm-hmm. So, that so every kid is different. And so my sisters, they, they were fine. They, you know, I'm the middle child. So then that plays a role too. But, um, but I had a relationship with my dad growing up. But I think once I became like 12 years old and started to go through puberty, my dad didn't quite know how to handle us. So he started to push us all away and hold on to my youngest 
who my youngest sister, who was four years younger than me. And so I was dealing with rejection and also a mix of rebellion because then now I already have a child. There are these laws in, in place that kind of make you emancipated already once you have a kid. Mm-hmm. So that didn't help because I really thought I was grown. All that in one nutshell helped me to make these poor decisions. And then I was smoking weed and a lot of it. And so that clouds any judgment that you want to make. And so did you ever have any conversations with your mother? I know you said you were back and forth. At some point they separated and so you were back from your mom's house or your dad's house and it was sort of like a I guess you were in the middle of a transition too right because originally you grew up with both of them and then they sort of separated Mm -hmm, they did and although when they separated we were we were all pretty much grown my sister my younger sister she was 14 but by that time I was already 18 and 19 my older sister was 21 but um it, it but so they decided to separate at that time but there had been a good six or seven years where they were arguing and fighting and it led up to the separation so it wasn't a happy home so no I didn't talk to my mom because my mom was going through her own thing of being depressed and trying to fight through this marriage and you know things like that my my dad wasn't um faithful to her in the end and so that's why they separated so it was a lot going on with them so mine was very removed there was no chatting you know she tried to fight and say you know lay down the laws and have rules but it was too much for her to fight on her own because I was gone once once I knew that I could go live with him I left at 17 years old wow that is excuse me wow that is Really interesting. And so you feel like you had a better lifestyle by going to live with him. Absolutely. I just, I was like, okay, well, I'm going. And and so I left at 17 at about 18 and a half, right before I turned 19, things started to get sour. And so um, abuse started to be introduced. And, and then after a while, it was a full-blown abusive relationship. Wow. So you went from having these kids at a young age to being in a, an abusive relationship. Absolutely. Where it was very controlling, very um, emotionally abusive. And then it became physically abusive where we would actually fight. And so the control just starts very small. Like who, who's, who tried to talk to you today or calling you five times when you're just going to the mall or, you know, asking all these ridiculous controlling questions or anytime you have to ask someone, um, can I go here or can I go there? They're not your parent, you know? So. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of the R. Kelly story. Mm hmm. Yep. So that's a whole nother story. Cause when that, (laughs) when, when that series came out, I had a lot of feelings to kind of sort through and pray through because I saw myself in those girls. Absolutely. Wow. Watching, um, their dad's reaction was so funny because he definitely was facing um, the reality of people calling him R. Kelly because I wasn't the only young woman that he had children by. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is just 
you know, it was really true. I was isolated. I was isolated. I was moved 45 minutes away from my family. It got bad to one point. They had to call him to speak to me because he was out, you know, with other women so much people were calling me to say, I saw him at the mall. I saw him riding through the park with another girl. I saw him out to eat with someone. So he took all the phones out of the house. And so if anybody wanted to call me, they had to call his phone. Wow. So -hmm. then he had a lot of like issues too. And so I guess at what point did you sort of uh, begin to do the mental work on yourself because you went through a lot in a short period of time. And Mm -hmm. even I remember um, you sharing your story about, you know, not deciding to abort your son, getting pregnant um, at such a young age. Like, how did you sort of work through those issues mentally? And I know it was a whole process. Mm -hmm. It was a whole process, but I always um, give the credit to having, I'd started to have a relationship with Christ. So during this time, me and my mom would hardly speak. So when I got pregnant with my last kid, she didn't even know until I was eight months pregnant when I went to go visit her. So that's how long she hadn't seen me for eight months, maybe six months or so. So she got a job close to where I was living. And so when I had my youngest son, he was maybe a few weeks old, but she would start to visit me and she would throw out there, you know, you can come home if you want every now and then. And so she planted these seeds in my head, but I was still think, you know, I can't go back to my mom's house. I don't have anything because I had no education. I had no anything, no money. That's what I saw. How would I make it? But so I just, I started to go to church with her and I just started to, you know, just talk to God and tell him how unhappy I was and tell him if he made a way for me to leave, I wouldn't come back. Um, Because my moment of knowing that I needed to leave was when I came home, I had a two week old baby and I was breastfeeding him. We were watching TV and my other children were sitting on the couch watching TV and their dad was watching with them. And I, and we got into an argument because I wanted to further my education. So that annoyed him all the time, any conversation. And so I got loud and I raised my voice and I slammed my hand on the table and he got up and he began to just hit me in the head, blows to my head. So I took about five blows to the head and I couldn't get up and fight back because I was breastfeeding. And my two, my baby was two years old and he said, daddy, you hit mommy. And he said, yes, she was a bad girl. And I, that was my moment that I knew I had to run. So I started like packing bags of clothes and I would um, hide them in the closet because he never went in the kids room anyway. I was uh, the one that physically groomed them and took care of them. And so one day my mom came to visit. We got into an argument while my mother was there. So she kind of left a little early um, over me not fixing his dinner fast enough when he came home. (laughs) Wow. When my mom left, I called and I said, Mom, can you come back? And it's such a memorable day because it was pouring cats and dogs. And when she came back, I started removing those bags out of the closet, big black black garbage bags that I had been storing and waiting for this day. And we piled up her van and we left. And that was it. I never went back. I found I I went to my mom's house and I had the support of my mom and my two sisters who had recently came home as well. And we slept on her two couches, me and my kids. We put the two couches together 
in it. And that was everything. We didn't have anything, but we had the support and love of our family. And we figured it out from there. Yep. So I later went to school. I later, you know, became a chef. I eventually moved out and we moved into the project. So, but it was three bedrooms and it was mine. So we were happy. And so that's that. (laughs) How old were you when you moved out of the house with your significant other at the time to um, living with your mom and sisters? Like when you finally, you know, decided it was time to go. How old were you at that time? Because I know you said you were 21 when you had the last kid. No, Mm -hmm. 21, right? When you had the last kid. Yeah. And so I was 21 when I left. It was two months before my 22nd birthday. Wow. So you went through Mm -hmm. so much in literally like four years. Absolutely. So I, I understand women. I would always say like, I can't understand how somebody would be in an abusive relationship, but it can just happen. And then you're in it and you're like, how the heck did I get here? Wow. Wow. Yeah. But that's so good that you had the support, you know, like your mom, she was actually, I guess, um, emotionally available at that point. I guess she had Mm -hmm. worked through her stuff by then. Yes, she did. And that is definitely what she says. She worked through her hurt, um, you know, by her daughter. And she she just began to um, ask God to help her and help her to love. And that's exactly what he did. And, you know, today, our my relationship with my mother is so strong. That is, I can't go a week without talking to her. I try not to call her every single day, but sometimes. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> and a good week, I'll call her every day. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So I'm just trying to walk through sort of your life uh, quickly as po- as possible. So you make it to 21 and you make the decision to go back to school to get a job and all of these things and you move out, get your apartment and you're like literally starting a life with the three kids that you have, or was it four kids at the time? Four kids, four boys at that. Four boys. Four boys to try to, you know, provide this sort of lifestyle for them that is, you know, I guess mentally better than what they were in because, you know, like physically and financially, you guys had what you needed or maybe not physically Mm -hmm. either, but like financially, you know, y'all were taken care of but like emotionally and spiritually you were so unfulfilled so so you made it to that point and then like how was that like you know going to get a job going to school um with four kids and now you said that you had the support of your mom and your sister so did they kind of help you out with babysitting like how did you navigate that how was child care for you and finding all of the resources uh so work didn't go so well um like i mentioned i ended up living in the projects which is income-based housing because working was impossible because i had no education so that that's why the decision came about to go back to school um, because I would only be able to get minimum wage jobs, which would then take the money because I had to give it to a babysitter. So I went to school and even that I had no car, but my family was truly, I would not have been able to do it without them. Um, My dad in the morning would come and pick us all up 
Um, he would drop me off to the downtown bus terminal so that I could catch the bus to school. And then he would bring my children to daycare. You know, after school, I would catch the bus home and my sister would go to daycare and pick up my kids and bring them to me. So it took the village to get us through that until I was done. Like they were there. They were my backbone. They were uh, my rock. And so um, the transition, it, it was very hard that I had to get on food stamps. I had, to, I had a teacher in school who told me not to be ashamed to use the, the assistance that was provided um, for me. So at that moment, I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know. I can't have pride at the moment. So I did what, what I needed to do to get us um, over the hump. Wow. So when you say you had no education, are you talking about you didn't finish high school or are mm-hmm. you saying, okay, so you had to go back and did you finish high school or did you go the GED route? Yeah, I did the GED route and that okay. was really quick. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I went into culinary school. Okay. Right after. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. So I know that had to be like really um, an humbling moment for you to, you know, actually accept the fact that you needed this government assistance because you was used to living, you know, this lifestyle where you didn't really have to depend on anybody other than the man that was taking care of you guys. Absolutely. I didn't even know what it was like to pay bills because I never paid the bills. He always paid everything. So I was just kind of there. I barely, I didn't hardly even have to do the grocery shopping. So it was a total adjustment, but it was an adjustment that I wanted. You know, I was a young woman and I was coming into my womanhood. So it was, you know, I leaned on my mother a lot for support and um, for her to teach me. And she did. She helped me a lot to um, learn how to, you know, parent my children and um, keep them on a schedule. And, and I, and then I was blessed to have this pastor and um, God bless her. I call her my angel. She was an older woman and she ended up having this house. And so I skipped this part before we moved to the projects. So she had this huge 14 room house that she allowed me to move into with my children and pay her $200 a month in rent. And so there uh, she she began to just heavily mentor me, and she also owned a daycare, so she helped me to like you know put things on the wall, give the children house rules, and you know she helped. She picked up where my mom left off in helping me to get them on a schedule and just be you know everybody in the bed at eight o'clock, and so so that was very helpful and my mom also would take them every other weekend for me so that I could still feel like uh, a young person (laughs) wow that was really nice did you sort of like break ties from the guy or was he involved at, at all after that did you receive any type of financial support from him there's no financial support but it gets interesting um he he did he was always in the children's lives and as the years went on um it was just a lot of still turmoil and you know since he he couldn't abuse the children through me you know he couldn't abuse me I'm sorry he figured well now I'm gonna torture her through the kids (laughs) so it was a lot of arguing it was a lot of fussing and then we entered into a custody battle Kim so in 2011 we entered into a custody battle where I initially ended up losing and so he got the three children 
Oh my gosh. Knowing that in, in the system, knowing that he had no job, knowing that he had, and he was a hustler, knowing that he had multiple kids, but he had the money for the lawyer. He had, he was the one who was more powerful while I was young and emotional. And so it happened. Um, it's in, and his age didn't play a factor at all because like you know the whole situation was just wow and you would think that they would see that but in court and it, it depends on what state you are in um some states are not mother states they're neutral states and um the court system is is very much not built for our people so they don't care about families they rip you all apart there was no good reason whatsoever to to put me through that so then i went through a period of being super depressed so now i only have one child though my oldest my home went from bubbly to now like how the heck did this happen um so i would go to sleep at 6 p.m right after i got home from work and wake up at two o'clock in the morning screaming and wanting to die that's how much pain i was feeling Wow. So did you go through therapy at any point or did you sort of just like I I did go through therapy, but I felt like it wasn't helping me because I I didn't I don't think I had the right therapist. I I would just talk to her, you know, she would every I think I went twice a month or a month. Oh wow, that wasn't enough. (laughs) I would just talk to her about um, you know, what was happening. And sometimes therapy can be non-responsive. That one was for me. So, so then I began to again lean on my spirituality at this point. Mm-hmm. And so, me crying ended up um, one day coming to like, okay, I'm not going to die here. I'm going to hold on to God. And uh, like uh, those tears and crying became like tears through prayer. And so. Uh, fast forward, it has made me, that moment in life has made me who I am as far as a warrior, as far as, um, you know, prayer and being able to pull someone through their hard time through prayer. And I know that, you know, sometimes people may be like, well, prayer, but there are different levels to prayer, you know? And so this is where I got introduced to like heavy intercession because I was going to die <laughs> if I did not, you know? Yeah. If I did not. To begin yeah, to talk so about I, how it wasn't going to take me out here, you know? Right, right. Wow, that is amazing that you were able to, you know, sort of navigate through this space. And, you know, now you're at the point where you are sort of sharing your story to help other people um, that may be afraid to speak out. And I was talking to somebody recently, you know, now in this day and time, like so many women are in these uh, situationships. and. Yeah. I was saying that I think a lot of it stems from not only childhood, but them figuring out who they are. I feel like there are so many voids and they just have a really difficult time trying to figure out how they can fill those voids. So they allow men to do it or they feel like men can do it for them. You know what I'm saying? And so they get in these situations and they get comfortable until something happens. Like you said, to where you have to get out of it. And because I was like you, like you said, you 
wanted to understand why women were in those type of situations, but it wasn't until you actually went through it that you understood. And so that's how I am. And I've just been trying to like do observations and I'm like, I just can't, you know, understand. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. It just made me think back to that whole situation that we were talking about the other day. But I just want to fast forward really quickly to the point where you started dating. Yeah, so it's um, right here. In in the midst of this pain, all of a sudden, I met this guy at church. Um, Okay. And I really wasn't interested in dating at all because I was going through a lot, you know, um, at this point. And this is like, you're at 22, right? Or 23. Uh, Okay, now let's fast forward. This is more like 20. Uh, 26. 26. Okay. So about five years later. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so now we're at a place of kind of joint custody. Um, this is still, it's still a little rough, but I meet this guy. And so I even, I start to feel guilty about dating him because here I am, you know, I'm still like fighting for these kids and, you know, it's like, how could I date? But but I allow God to bring me happiness through him. And I started to date him. And um, yeah, I let him make me happy. (laughs) And then, you know, the process was still very hard when you come from an abusive relationship or you come from any relationship where a man has cheated on you. You kind of already go into the relationship on the defense. <laughs> yeah, like you have your guard up. Yes, absolutely. What you've been through. Mm-hmm. So you're like, what do you want? You know, um, you know, you you snooping through every little thing. And you're watching him like a hawk. <laughs> so, um, you know, allowing him to love me and getting to know that he wasn't the same was very hard. Wow. So. At what point did you like tell him that you had four kids or was it like something that he already knew based on the fact that y'all were going to the same church? Um, I don't, I don't think he knew, but I told him right away. And, and, and he was so not, you know, bothered by the fact that I have four kids. He could have cared less. He was just so smitten. (laughs) (laughs) You said y'all met in church, so did anybody introduce y'all, or did he sort of just, like, introduce himself? How did that work out? <laughs> it's it's a funny story, but I had, see, you know, going, we went to a fairly large church, so I would see him in passing, and one day he um he requested me on Facebook, so I denied him, because I was like, who is this? <laughs> so I pressed deny, and then he inboxed me. He's like, wow, so you don't, I am approve friendship that you don't know and I was laughing I was like oh I do know you You go to my church (laughs) (laughs) oh um it it just started there a little flirtation so sometimes guys don't always despise the flirtation in your dm (laughs) (laughs) because that's where it started he um he fixed my computer a couple times because he was an it guy and then we just started to date because we felt the mutual attraction. Okay. And um, you you mentioned something. You said, I just allow him to make me happy. Now, I have heard so many times, and I don't know. I feel, I feel like I want you to define, like, happiness because 
Okay. So when I think happiness, I want to be happy first before I actually right. meet somebody. Like I want to possess that happiness because I don't want to depend on somebody to make me happy because I feel right. like when we allow that, it's like you if they don't make you happy, then what are you going to do? Are you going to sort of right. like give up on them because they're not making you happy? So I feel like you got to be able to do that for yourself first. Absolutely. But I just I, I, I totally want you to break agree. that down for me. <laughs> I totally agree. And I think that this was a special situation. Like I call him my angel. I have called him my angel for five years because he came at this point where I was ready. I was done, you know? And so, um, God brought me a situation of joy. So I don't mean that he came and he brought me my happiness. Okay. Um, so I meant that he came and God used him to put a smile on my face, you know? Mm-hmm. Birds of, of joy. Okay. So you know, this by, is... I'm sorry. By just conversation that was refreshing or, you know, allowing me to take my mind off what was happening at the moment during the worst time in my life. Okay. All right. I just wanted to understand that because I was like, well, <laughs> well, but like you said, it was a special situation. So he got, he sort of got you out of your funk. Mm-hmm. And, and I wouldn't even give him all the credit to, to getting me out of my funk, but he was someone like if I could paint a picture who just came and grabbed my hand and said, Hey, let's go look at the sun, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, let's go let's go look at this beautiful water let's go out to eat and you know so yep that's what it was so this is the same guy that you're married to today right it is okay yes okay so at what point did you like introduce him to your kids because i mean you're like okay we're dating i have four kids so every time you would have to find somebody like if you guys were due dates like where they were out, you had to find somebody to watch your kids. And I know you said you had your mom and sisters, mm-hmm. but at some point that would get like old or no. Right. You know, I was very protective over my children. So I, you know, I took about a year for the strong, you know, let's all go out thing. And um, that was just because of the everything that we had went through. But there was an introduction of him. So there was a let's meet him or see him or, you know, get to know him. We didn't always have to be like out on a um, family date kind of setting, but they knew um, of who he was until I was sure enough that, okay, this guy's he's great. He's not going anywhere. I didn't want to introduce them and get them so familiar with the person that then again wouldn't be there. So then when I was secure that this had the possibility of longevity, I began to, um, you know, deeply more introduce them. So it took a while. So surface level introductions, like how did you feel comfortable? I guess, how did you know, like, okay, let me just introduce them. And how did you introduce them to him? Did you introduce him as your friend or... How how did that go? <laughs> I'm just interested yeah. to know. So because we were already at the same church, that helped a lot. We were already in a familiar setting. So I would just introduce them at him as Marcus, mm-hmm. not mommy's friend, just Marcus. And just begin to watch, you know, their reaction to him, you know, seeing him and watching if they liked him or, you know, just watching how they were around him. We we had a different kind of church, so um, 
we had a church where after service, our church was so large that there were restaurants. So we had a Jamaican restaurant. There was a restaurant um, that had french fries and nuggets. So he would always meet us over there when I was getting the kids french fries and nuggets. (laughs) So (laughs) there's Marcus, guys, you know. Oh, look, Ma, there's Marcus. You know, so you watch for their joy and, um, and to see if they're starting to like him comfortable. Wow, that's interesting. So at the time, did you have any other like mom friends, you know, that you had met along the way? Or were you sort of like winging this thing because you didn't really know anybody else who had kids on their own? Like who had, you know, like full custody or joint custody, any of that stuff? Mm-hmm. It's very common where I'm, I'm from Connecticut, um, Bridgeport, Connecticut, and I had a lot of mom friends. Oh, know? wow. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like where I'm from, it's like my friends don't have any kids, right? Even right now today, like I'm the only one oh, wow. in my situation, in my close-knit circle of friends. None of them have kids. I'm so happy, but I'm just like, you know, I need, you know, that's why I started this whole thing because I'm like, Yo, I moved away from the people that I knew. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> on top of that, like, I just need another mom friend, you know? Yeah, and yeah. So I just wonder, like, did you know anybody? But you said it was common. I mean, it was common, but not that common growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, I saw it at school, but not, like, close, you know, like, in my close circle. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to college, I mean, it was, like, sporadic. But it wasn't, like super common that people would have kids in college but you know every now and then you would see somebody with um their baby or that had gotten pregnant but again it wasn't like super common so I think um, it really depends on what state you're in too I think all I just had someone to come on my show who was like pro-life and that that's a whole nother topic but it helped me to see how different states are just different in the baby thing because we're 45 minutes from New York and so pregnancy teenage pregnancy was so big that when I had my son at 16 I was able to bring him to school with me oh no (laughs) ma'am we had a a daycare in high school and class that allowed us to take a period to come down and be taught how to be moms so that's how frequent it was it was a lot of teen pregnancy it was it's wow. Like, mm-hmm. Wow, that's so interesting because it's so deep. You know, I grew up in Mississippi and it's such yeah. like <laughs> it's probably like yeah. a separate part of the world, you know. It's like I think <laughs> the democratic state up here has a lot to do with it. There's different agendas that they push, you know. Like yeah. So get an abortion, easy to get birth control, easy to Yeah, and none of that stuff. Is. None of that stuff was easy. It's like to you know like the um they had an abortion clinic in jackson um, where i went to college but there are so many stipulations and then they make you feel like um like if you go there it's like you know there's protesters out there and it's just you know it's not easy if if you Mm want to do it it's really difficult and then they only do it up to certain points so then um after a certain point you have to go to another state which is uh tennessee so it's like the resources and stuff are not as easy. And I don't even know, like, with birth control and stuff, if that's mm-hmm. easy. I, you know, they never, we, we didn't have, like, a sex education oh, wow. class. Um, there was, like, a, 
I think I cannot remember the name of the class. I'm going to say it was family dynamics, but mm-hmm. I can't remember um, 100%. But in that class, we talked about it briefly. But yeah, there was no, and I don't know if it's because, you know, I grew up in like this whole rural area or if the state right. is like, mm-hmm. you know, different from a lot of the northern states. But right. yeah, we never, a lot of the resources and things that people had in school and growing up, we didn't have that. Mm-hmm. We had like oh, very, wow minimum (laughs) resources Mm -hmm. so it's just interesting like now that I'm you know an adult and I get to talk to so many other people and listen to how their childhoods went and the resources they had access to I just wish we had you know more Mm -hmm. but now you know my daughter growing up here in Houston in the Houston area um she has access to a whole lot more and it's a whole nother world out here um than what I you know grew up doing or grew up with Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyways to get back um (laughs) to what we're talking about so I wanted to know once you um introduced your you know significant other at the time you guys were dating how did you sort of say like to the kids you know mommy is interested in getting married or was that even like a conversation that you guys had Mm, we always had the conversation even before I met my husband my oh, okay. kids would tell me mommy you need a husband you know they would voice their desire for me to get married and so um after I dated my husband for two and a half years uh so after that point I didn't discuss with all of them but just my older children um uh, that we were we were thinking about getting married and kids they don't always voice their opinion so then it's up to you as a parent to watch and you know see um how how comfortable they are and um I was pretty secure with with you know them and happy with their relationship with him so um yep we got married (laughs) in uh 2015 Wow, that's awesome. So, like, I don't know, this is maybe like a cliche question, but how did you know, like, okay, this is the one? Because you have been through so much, you know, you met this uh, after going through this horrible period in life, you sort of, you know, met this guy that made you happy. And so, I don't know, how did you feel like, okay, this is the one? Yeah, it was weird because when I first met him, I remember telling my sister, he's not my type. So I was used to dating very flashy men, um, ballers, and my husband was just a regular guy. You know, he was very humble. And so he wasn't my type initially. Um, So as I started to date him, he was such a, my husband is very tall. He's six feet seven. Um, And so although he's big, he's very gentle and he's very, um, kind. And so I, I had a little rowdiness in me. So as you, as I said before, I was dating gangsters and I thought I was hood a little bit. (laughs) So that was still in me. So when we ever had a disagreement or an argument and I would want to argue, he would not argue. He would teach, you know, communicate. And so he began to teach me how to communicate in a healthy way. Like, no, we're not going to argue and talk about this, you know? And so that was the first major change where I would flip the lid, you know, most times or, you know, get upset. He would just very calmly be like, uh, you're going to argue with yourself <laughs> and we're going to talk about this. So then that began to spoil, 
um, you know, boil over into every relationship that I had, that this hothead, now I became calm and I knew how to have effective communication with everyone, even my children's father. So then arguments with him turned into now I'm not arguing. I'm going to communicate with you. You're going to argue with yourself. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) So that was a major change. And so that was uh, a major thing that besides the love, because, you know, he also taught me that love, you're not always going to be in in deep love this infatuation that you have with this guy when you get married it's not always going to be there you'll have moments where you don't like the person you'll have moments where you know it goes up and down and all around so marriage is not always this cloud of happiness um and joy so um friendship was a big thing so we we really allowed our friendship to form before we jumped into um having such a um, focus relationship mm-hmm. yeah okay oh, buddy <laughs> so mm-hmm. like any advice for moms uh, and especially single moms who are out there um, and they're dating now and it's so difficult you know it's so difficult especially if they are um, dating on purpose because I know your situation right. is a bit different because you met this you know this amazing guy in church Mm-hmm. Um, but for those, <laughs> you know, but for those moms out there that, you know, they may be hoping, um, and wishing right. for that person to come along, um, mm-hmm. what advice would you have for them? I guess in this season, because, uh, I went to this service and the pastor, like he did a series, I guess, um, on singleness and he talked a whole lot about doing the work while you're single because he talked about how and i'm sorry guys if i get like a little biblical for a second and you know what i don't even know why i'm apologizing but i'm about to get biblical for a second like you in the bible belt girl (laughs) like this is my (laughs) podcast okay (laughs) but you know how ruth was like working whenever boaz found her he said that you don't have to go looking for that person you know, while you're working in somewhere in between you working and serving God, um, that person will come along. And so I just wondered if you had any advice for, again, those moms who may be, you know, interested in dating, you know, in the world of like social media and dating apps, it's really hard. And especially if you don't go out as much, um, it's really hard to meet people, period. Right. And and so we, we know that everyone is not Christian. So everyone is not even going to, you know, hear that or listen to what, what that advice. But I think um, a good piece of practical advice is to throw away the list that we have um, of the do's and don'ts um, from the guy that we want, the perfect guy that we want to be with. Um, I think a lot of times when we meet guys, we're very critical right off that. If he doesn't look like what we think he could, he should look like. If he's um, not doing what we think he should do when we meet him, we don't give them um, time or a chance to develop into who we are. Like we can meet them and we don't have everything together yet, but we want them to. And and I don't. Oh my mean- God! Say that again because he said that. you can't you can't have on your list like you want somebody that works out and has abs and this and that and you don't even Mm -hmm. go to the gym right (laughs) (laughs) 
Right. And we, or we want them to be this Forbes, you know, uh, huge businessman. And, and we just have these unrealistic, you know, expectations about people. So mm-hmm, I, I suggest that you just ball up the list first of all, and just allow yourself to see people's heart when you meet them. You know, if someone's a nice guy, you know, um, if his teeth are a little crooked, it's okay. <laughs> you can, hey, if you marry him, you can get embraces. You know? That's what my aunt says. <laughs> if he has thick glasses, hey, you can be the one to say, you've had contacts, try contacts, you know? You know, so loosen up a little bit on the meeting, you know, and don't be so hard. I think it's hard for us as strong black women when we have been in charge of our households um, to then, you know, see someone and, you know, uh, I don't know if they'll fit into this picture, but, you know, loosen up a little bit. And then also, if you're if you are dating and you're thinking about getting married, um, start to allow yourself to. Um, get ready to back down a little bit. Um, Being married to someone, you're not going to be the head of the house. You know, the man is. um, And so you can't be the one in charge all the time anymore. I think that sometimes when single women become the married woman, single moms become the married mom, it's a hard transition to relinquish control. So then the husband could quickly become another one of your children. So you want to start um, getting used to that now. You, you don't want to run your husband away. My husband always says that a man needs to feel like he's needed and welcomed, you know, in your home. So I've heard when, that before. Mm-hmm. So when dating a strong woman, he still wants to feel like you need him. Um, so start getting used to that now. Um, and then deal with your insecurities as well while you're dating now. I think that my first year of marriage, I still went through snooping around in his stuff a little bit because I had still been hurt so much. I really couldn't fathom that this guy wouldn't cheat. And so I I got to a place where I was like, Camille, he is not ever going to cheat on you. He is a good man. Now you have to let it go. And I did. So know that every guy is not the same, you know? Every guy is not going to cheat on you. Every guy is not going to yell at you. You know, every guy is not going to make you pay all the bills and, and sit on the couch and play PlayStation. <laughs> so there, there are good guys out there and they're not all taken. So there are hope for black women. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay too, to date outside your race as well. You know, um, a lot of women aren't open to that, but you know, all men are okay too. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for that uh, piece of advice. I'm sure the moms will appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard transition because you have to let go of um, a lot as far as control. That was very hard, but you know, integrating him into to your home and allowing him to feel like you know, my husband would say, I feel like I'm just living in your, y'all's house. So <laughs> take a step back and be like, okay, this is not <laughs> our house. <laughs> a guest in, you know, he, he has to feel like, okay, he's, 
he's included in when he tells the boys to take the garbage out. I have to stand back. You know, he's not yelling. He's he's saying, hey, guys, you know, you're going to take the garbage out every night. So you have to stand back and, and just let him still be a parent and let him feel like he's a part of your family and choices and decisions that are made. Yeah, because I'm like, so he didn't have any kids when you guys met. And so for him to come in and, you know, sort of be a parent to your kids, did you all have any discussions about parenting and his views and things like that beforehand? Yes. So he did have a child. He had one daughter. Okay. Already, um, by the time we got married, she was in high school. So um, that went by really quick. And then she went to college. So, oh, um, so it wasn't hard, like the blending part of it, because he only had one. Uh, right. And we, we, um, we, I forcefully made that happen. Like we would have family night where we're going to watch movies and everybody eat pizza, popcorn, candy, soda, you know, and kind of make it fun so that the kids will get blended and used to each other and used to him so you have to make fun fun family time and moments where everything doesn't always have to cost a lot of money right right and we didn't always agree on the parenting things but we learned to come to a compromise and so I I spanked my kids my my husband did not like spanking he came from a house who where his mom um abused him so he was not around for the spanking. So he's like, you need to take things from them. Take things, take their PlayStation, put them on punishment. So he helped in that aspect. So he saved them, I always say. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't getting spankings. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Camille. I really appreciate you sharing your story and offering some advice. Do you have anything else that you want to add before we go? Yeah, um, don't give up hope on on relationship. I was I was I think I was at the point where you um I was like, well, I'm probably not gonna get married. It doesn't matter, you know, but if that's the desire of your heart, I believe that God will give you the desire of your heart and just stay nice, keep smiling, and <laughs> keep your heart open. Even in the grocery store, smile, don't look mean and, and be open for whatever. I know it's funny. I was like, um, I was in the grocery store the other day and this guy had, he was like telling me that I looked nice and I just came from the gym and I was just like, whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny that you said that because like he asked me if I was single and I said no. And clearly I'm single. I'm like, why did I right. lie? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, used to um men you know always um trying to talk to us and being the hunters that they are but hey smile and be nice <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks again i appreciate it let everybody know where they can find you and connect with you Yes, if you would like to connect with the Moments of Joy podcast, um, Camille Joy, you can follow me on Instagram at Moments of Joy podcast. And you can check out my website if you're a mom that is dealing with custody battles or the loss of um, your children through that. I also advocate and um, give advice for that as well. So you can go onto my website 
um, camille-joy.com and um, connect with me there as well. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. Oh, thank you. It is my pleasure. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Camille. She is such a joy to talk to and has such a wonderful spirit. If you enjoyed this episode, please take out a moment to rate the podcast and leave a review and let us know what you thought of it. I hope Camille was some inspiration to you to let you know that it is still possible for you to find a partner. I know oftentimes it feels so difficult uh, when we're dating as single moms, especially in 2019, but there's still hope. (laughs) With that being said, y'all, I am going to try my best to continue to put these podcasts out. I am thinking I will release them bi-weekly now instead of weekly due to my hectic schedule. I'm taking two accelerated courses this semester. So hopefully you guys understand. If you are not connected with me, please head over to Instagram at Single Black Motherhood. You can like the page on Facebook, Single Black Motherhood. And as always, feel free to reach out to me via DM on Instagram or shoot me an email, singleblackmotherhood at gmail.com. And until next time, thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it.